Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoyk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Books. We're getting close to spring, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but March 21st, yesterday, was the first day of spring. So the weather will start to change and get a little bit warmer for everybody. We have two guests with us today that uh, we've enjoyed talking to. One is Kim Luke, who is a reference librarian at our Heightstown Memorial Branch. And our other guest was Leah Henderson, who writes books for children and middle graders. Both were exciting to talk to, and we enjoyed both conversations. Bob, you always do such a great job um, locating and securing our author interviews. Do you mind talking a little bit about how you came across Leah Henderson, please? So, Anna, last month uh, in Philadelphia at the Pennsylvania Convention Center, they had the 31st Annual African-American Children's Book Fair, which is something that they put on every year. And one of our coworkers here at the library had mentioned it to me, and I, and it I looked through all the different authors that were there, and it really was like an all-star group of authors. I knew that we had wanted to talk to a children's book author this time, and Leah Henderson popped up as as somebody that looked like she would be great to talk to, and she certainly didn't disappoint us when we had our conversation with her. So we do want to thank our colleague Robin Gilbert for sharing that lead into finding Leah Henderson to interview her. And we will talk to her in just a bit. But first, let's share our interview with Kim Luke in just a moment. Welcome to this segment of Behind the Books, where we take the time to talk with a staff member from the Mercer County Library System. Today, we are going to be talking with Kim Luke, who is a reference librarian at the Heightstown Memorial Library. Kim, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So Kim, I get to work with you quite a bit, um, just with all the adult programming and the reference and adult services activities that are going on with the library system. But can you tell us a little bit about what you do at the branch? Coming from a small branch, and I've, I've been here 18 years, and but because it's a small branch as a reference librarian, I'm a jack of all trades. I have to fill in where I'm needed and, of course, do my reference work. So I handle reference questions as they come up. I help with techie things if computers are not cooperating or printers. I'll get called over to help, and it's surprising. I've not been trained in this at all, but just from having to solve problems with machines, you learn, you just learn. Uh, I contribute to adult programming like you just mentioned. Uh, I run monthly craft programs, and I have to say craft and painting art classes are just really popular right now. And I'm responsible for the adult fiction collection, ordering, trimming it down, weeding, uh, making sure you've got the newest stuff available to the patrons. But I also just fill in for other staff members as needed or, or support them, answer questions, step in if they need some help. So I do a little bit of everything for a reference librarian. Well, it's interesting, too, because we've had a number of people on from the Heightstown branch, and it really seems like because you're smaller, it really is all hands on deck, and everybody does everything over there, right? So no matter what, 
it is that needs to be done, either you or somebody's going to step in and take care of it. Yeah, that is very true. It helps a lot for me in my job because I started out part-time as a circulation staff member. So I've had the experience being at the front desk, the circulation desk, as well as being in reference. And I even had had five years as a children's librarian. So I've been able to fill in where needed and also do my own work. I always, I thought there was, because I mean, Hopewell's like a mid-sized branch where, where I'm located. Mm -hmm. And I, I was primarily, I'm primarily at reference, but there was a time when we were really short staffed at circulation and I worked over there regularly. And it was one of the best experiences I had because I felt like it really um, opened my eyes to how the system works, you know, the workflow of everything and, and how everything works through the system. And, and I just, I'm such a big uh, advocate for cross training like that. <laughs> so we learned the different things that happen in the different areas. Yeah, it does help a, a lot, and um, because I know people at the circulation desk, patrons that come in, sometimes I have questions about reference, and I already have kind of a little bit of knowledge about them to begin with. Or you know, you're checking out things with them in your channel a little bit, and you'll come up, things will come up where they're needing some help with something. So it really benefits my work in helping the patrons coming in the branch. So you've been at Heightstown for quite a while. You've worked in circulation, mm -hmm. you've been the children's library, and you've worked at reference. How have you seen things change in the time that you've been there? Has there been a lot of, of change just in the overall way people approach the library or what we offer? People always need some help getting information, getting their reading materials, and I don't think that's ever going to really change, honestly, even if the technology may be changed. We have to keep up with what's going on as, as librarians. So I don't think that really changes. I would say the technology changes more than anything else. Yeah. I was just saying that I think the end result is the same. It's mm -hmm. just the the, ven the means to get there has changed a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we provide a lot more services for sure in the last 18 years than we did when I first started. Absolutely. And I love that part of my work. So you started out in circulation. Did you have your library degree then, or is that when you decided to pursue library, to, to get the library degree? I had library experience at that time, but I did not get my degree until later. It was working in this library with a lot of support, a manager's support, that encouraged me to go back to library school, well, to go back to school and my graduate degree is in library science. I got that about 12 years ago, I completed it. We were talking with um, Becca Trapp, who was, is at the um, Twin Rivers branch, and she's currently working towards her library degree while she's working mm -hmm. at the branch. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that is such a great experience because I had no library experience before I went to library school. I kind of like, you know what, I'm gonna try and see what it's like. <laughs> but here you are, you're in it, and you can apply what you're learning in classes you know, while you're learning about it. Yeah, absolutely. I was applying for library school when the youth services position opened up here at the Heightstown branch. And I would I actually wanted to be a school media specialist at that moment. So youth services fit really well for me. And I started my position, youth services position, the same month I started at Rutgers for my library degree. So very much serendipity. So was working at the library something that you would always wanted to do or what kind of led you into getting started at the library in the beginning? Uh, I'm a kid whose parents loved libraries and loved reading. So anytime we moved, we went into the library and we got a library card. 
I'm pretty sure I had my own library card at like five years old. Um, and when I went to college, which was a while ago, I had work study opportunities and I applied at the, the school library and I really liked it and I did a good job, I think. But I, for whatever reason, was not interested in being a librarian at that time. But many years later, I was looking for a part-time job and I, I was bringing my own children to the library. So I asked if there were openings and I ended up being a substitute first and then I got my part-time job and then things led on from there. Isn't that kind of funny? Like here, it was part of your life all you know, Absolutely. this whole time. And then it's like, oh yeah, why don't I try this? Yeah, why, why didn't I start 20 more years ago, you know? But here I am where I'm supposed to be right now. Is there something, um, we always kind of joke, um, I was just talking with a colleague earlier this morning and I'm like, these are things you don't teach, they don't teach you in library school. Like, do you think there's something that you think people would find surprising about working in the library? Well, one thing I would say is working with the public, working with people, anything happens, everything happens. And uh, I know we have that stereotype that you sit around and read books. And honestly, I do grab my book on my 15 minute break but I usually don't have a chance to read while I'm working. But I, yeah, I think that's probably the most surprising thing. And I will have to say that is my favorite thing is working with the public, directly with the public. I love helping people solve their problems as they come up. And I'm very much um, a helper. My degree back in the day was political science and I somehow ended up being a social worker working with refugees. And so that, that whole thing about helping people just, just fits right into me. So I love that part. Liz Hughes was social work too. Yeah, it's true. It's, and it's interesting because it's something I toyed with at one point too. And I'm thinking, and it is, I think there's like that innate need, you know, to help, to, to be there for people and help them. And no matter what the situation is, whether it's information or reading or um, services, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Kim, we are so lucky to have you at the Mercer County Library System and especially at the Heightstown Memorial Library. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. It's been absolutely lovely. It's been a great time. Time flew by so fast. Thanks for inviting me again. Welcome back, everyone, to the next segment of Behind the Books, where we talk to you about some of the programs that are coming up at the Mercer County Library System in the next couple of weeks. And Anna, before we get into some of the programs, one of the things I wanted to mention, and Kim Luke brought it up a little bit while we talked to her, is this phenomenon of crafting. Now, I've seen it going on here at the library. You know, we have we have some pretty crafty people here at the Hopewell branch. We've talked to some people from some of the other branches, very crafty. As someone who's been at the library system much longer than I have, is this something that's always gone on or is this relatively new that we that we have so many different craft things going on? Bob News, that is a really good question because I do think crafts were happening when I started working in the public libraries here 15 years ago. But I feel like our colleagues have gotten more confidence in holding those craft programs. And I'll give you a perfect example, me. 
<laughs> because crafting always kind of made me nervous. I never felt like I was very good at it. Um, I kind of always go to my colleagues when it comes to more creative design. And I've gotten more confidence. And that could be by using our creative bug database. It could be just by um, discussing kind of different projects with with our colleagues throughout the system. But I feel like once the idea is broken down, it's easily able to be executed with a group of people. And I think adults, I think they love taking something home with them that they've created with their own hands. Because I always remember the crafts for the kids, but it, it does seem like, as you said, we've gotten a lot more adult crafts going on and it's great. As someone that's very uncrafty as I am, I can appreciate what the other people put together. I could never actually do it myself. People have seen me try to draw. They can never figure out, you know, that that's a pumpkin or a, anything else that I'm trying to draw. But I do think the people who put together the crafts and those who do them do a very good job. Well, I think you were me 10 years ago. So in 10 years, I think you're going to be having your own craft programs. We won't hold our breath on that. <laughs> As far as some of the programs coming up as we hit the tail end of March and the beginning of April, what do we have coming up here at the Mercer County Library System? We have, well, we've had quite a few uh, virtual programs as well as programs at the branch celebrating Women's History Month. I do, however, want to highlight a program that's taking place on Wednesday, March 22nd at 7 in the evening. And this is going to be presented by Jeannie Johnson, who is a docent at Princeton University Art Museum. She is going to be presenting Van Gogh, A Journey Through His Paintings and Their Inspiration. And it's this talk is, I'm looking forward to this talk. It's going to be about who those artists that influence Van Gogh. And she's actually going to put up side by side paintings by other artists and then how Van Gogh might have interpreted a similar painting, but used his own style. Um, so that's a, again, that's going to be on Wednesday, March 22nd at seven in the evening. And that's Van Gogh, a journey through his paintings and their inspiration. And Bob, as you alluded to in the opening of today's episode, spring is here. And we are going to be presenting a program virtually backyard birding and feeding birds on Wednesday, April 5th at three in the afternoon. And that is going to be presented by Heidi Mass, who is a board member for the Washington Crossing Audubon Society. So again, these are two virtual programs uh, that are coming up. So you would need to register to receive the link to attend. And again, you can do that by going to our website, mcl.org, or you can go to our app. Uh, you can download that from your app store, MyMCLSNJ. I'm intrigued by the birding program because we have some bird feeders in our backyard and we tracked quite a few birds and squirrels. And one thing that we've discovered, I don't know if you know this or not, Blue jays, the blue jay birds, they love peanuts in a shell. So we'll take some peanuts and we'll throw them out on the patio and they'll come swarming in, pick them up in their mouth and just fly away. Are the peanuts good for them? I sure hope so, because they eat a lot of them. Might be like me and those vanilla Oreo cookies. I'll <laughs> eat them like crazy, but they're not necessarily good for me. <laughs> I did mention to my wife the other day that I wonder if there's some place in our neighborhood where there's just this stockpile of peanut shells from the birds taking off, flying somewhere. So they got to open them up to eat them, right? So maybe that's the kind of thing I could find out in this uh, birding program. 
they might be using it for making their nests and whatnot. We don't know. There's a lot we don't know. Well, there's a lot I don't know. Anyway, we will be back with our next author interview. It was a good one, and we'll be right back with Leah Henderson. Henderson is the author of the middle grade novels, The Magic in Changing Your Stars, an SCBWI Golden Kite Award finalist, and One Shadow on the Wall, a Children's Africana Book Award notable, and a Bank Street Best Book. Her picture books include Daddy Speaks Love, Together We March, A Day for Remembering, and the forthcoming The Courage of a Little Hummingbird. Her writing is also included in a number of anthologies. Leah holds an MFA in writing and is on faculty in Spalding University's graduate writing program. Leah, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. It is my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So I am on pins and needles to speak with you. And I had to kind of <laughs> gather myself on what to talk with you about first. And I, and I would like to start off with your book that's coming up, but I do want to hopefully we'll get to some of the books that you've also sure. already done. The Courage of the Little Hummingbird. It hasn't come out yet. It's coming out on April 11th. Um, and it's a fable that uh, is thought to have originated with the Quechua people, correct? Correct. correct. And I love, I read the, the Kirkus starred review because it was um, noted in the Kirkus reviews. And I loved the line um, that the hummingbird says, I'm doing all I can. And it really talks about like how all, all efforts, great or small, that they're significant. And I just, it's looking at all of your work, um, but then this here, we have this fable that you're telling. I just wondered what was the, what was the impetus for you to write, to take on this fable? Sure. You know, Sometimes you write a story because you just feel like it just needs to be out there. You know, something needs to be out there that you've either witnessed or heard or experienced. Um, and that could be good, bad, or ugly, right? But it's a truth. Um, this time, I needed to hear it myself. I was kind of in a place where all around me, it was kind of like, you're you're trying to make these leaps and bounds forward but it doesn't feel like there is momentum and you're saying you know what is it all for and i needed to be reminded that you know just do the best that you can and just keep going you know and just hope that it does it does help kind of lessen that fire um you know or or those storms and so i this was one i'm not going to say it was selfish but it was needed for me at the moment like i needed to re be reminded of this story i needed to be reminded of this tale that even though we are small um when it comes to certain things in our minds the way we look at you know global issues or if it's something in societal or whatever and we say to ourselves well can we really make a difference in that way i was like you know what what you can do and if a whole bunch of you get together and just do what you can, it, it will it will make things a lot better. And so, yeah, so this one was for me. That kind of goes along too. the the books that you've written. You have this great way of taking some pretty complex topics and gearing them towards children and and middle grade kids. And that's got to be a tough, tough thing to do. But you do it in such a great way. Thank you. You know, I again, it, it's it's the world that I see, the world that I've experienced, um, the blessings that I've had also through my parents who I'm very close to 
kind of interpreting things or giving me the place to, to sit to see it from a vantage point that I can understand, right? And so I'm always trying to be very cognizant of that from my own childhood and kind of replicate that in the stories that I tell and how I tell them, um, because my parents were wonderful at doing that. They are storytellers themselves in every sense of the word, and, and they always made things very accessible for my brothers and I. Well, now that kind of touches on, because I, I, I looked through your book, uh, A Day for Remembering. And, you know, I'm 50 something years old <laughs> and I learned so much reading this picture book <laughs> about something that I had no idea about the origins of Memorial Day. And um, just so people know, this the story tells of uh, a community of newly freed enslaved men and women and children and loyalists in Charles, Charleston, South Carolina, who came together in 1865 to remember and honor those fallen soldiers from the Civil War. And it's considered to be the origins of Memorial Day. And I'm reading this and I'm like, who knew? <laughs> I know there's so many of these who knew moments in our history. So many. But this one, I think a lot of people, when I was described early on, when I was describing it and I was trying to um, tackle it as straight nonfiction. And I was like, yeah, it's over 200 Union soldiers were buried in a mass grave. And then they <laughs> them up and then decorated them and remember. They're like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a picture book, Leah. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, but it is. It is. I know it is. And and it really wasn't until I kind of took a step back and, and said, who could tell this story? Um, in the way that I needed to be told that little Eli came popping on the scene. I talk to my characters all the time. So just know they are real. They are true. <laughs> they are fully formed. They don't want that for lunch or dinner. Like they are there. And Eli was like, I got you. And so that, you know, that's when it came together for me, when I could look at it through his eyes and tell that story. When you do the same kind of thing in, in Together We March as well, right? Where you take a subject that you think people know a lot about, but then you have your own take on it and are able to tell it in a way that I think relates well to, to children. I hope I hope so. That one was one of those labors of love and the labor is in all caps. Um, the amount of research and just for me to understand what I was then trying to relay, right? You need to know so much more than the 600 words you're going to put on the page in order to really be able to capture it. So doing that 25 times was a true labor and but it but it was a labor of love in the sense that I was watching so many kids being from DC um you know I was watching so many kids out in the street with these amazing signs you know speaking out and because I am curious some people might say nosy in that sense um I would ask them you know is this the for your first time or like uh, why did you want to come out today you know those kinds of questions just in general conversation and for so many of them, it was the start, right? It was their first march. It was their first moment where they actually didn't turn away from the news that they were seeing and they were really impacted by it. And I just wanted to kind of bring that into a space where they're, they're speaking about different people who have inspired them to do um, and different moments either that they've heard of or that they might not even know, know were the impetus to another moment. And so I was curious about that myself. And so I hope that when when um, young people read that, they're like, oh, wow, okay. Either this person was like, okay, I'm going to speak up now, 
or I didn't realize this person was inspired by this, this, or this. Um, and that's where they kind of found their model for marching or for protest in general. Well, I think also people are ready to, to um, mobilize so quickly now. I mean, the internet information moves so Absolutely. fast, but the beauty of the book, um, Together We March, is it it takes you on this historical trek of protests and march. I mean, back to, it starts with what, the 1903 Mill Children March right. um, that was from Philly to New, Oyster Bay, New York. Right. And then it takes you up to George Floyd, Justice for George. And it's it really just, it's worldwide. And it's just the message of the power of people. Again, going back to our initial talking about your book that's coming out, um, The Courage of the Little Hummingbird, no matter how, who, who, or how small their the efforts mean something. And I just think that that just flows in this book as well. Thank you. Yeah. And for, and the thing is those two books side by side, um, when I was writing the hummingbird, um, a lot of people were like, well, you should just stay with South America and animals from South America in your retelling. And for me, I was like, no, this is a global forest. <laughs> this, this, is, this is all of the animals saying when they get their act together, they're going to do it together. Like, this is all of them. And so we were like, no, but you should, kids are going to, I'm like, no, kids are smarter than that. Kids understand exactly what I'm saying. We not, might not be there, right? We might have forgotten along the way somehow, but they have not. And I was determined to stay that way. And even my editor at certain points was like, I don't know. And then at the very end on like the last pass, this is just like an inside joke. I added a new animal and I got this message back from him, him, him and he was like, okay, so now there's a woodland penguin in here. Okay, <laughs> I hear you And the thing is, it's gotta be hard to tell these stories. We, when we've talked to other people who do picture books in the past, Everyone thinks, all right, it's a picture book. It's it's not as hard to write, but you have to tell the story. And like you said earlier, 600 words. Yes. And it's not easy to tell these kind of stories in, in that small of an amount of, of wording. No, it absolutely isn't. And since I'm a very long-winded person, if you haven't already learned, um, it is it is very hard for me. So I actually work backwards. So my picture books start out at like 3,000 words, 4,000 words. <laughs> And I'm, like, I'm like, oh my goodness, Leah, you're falling asleep. Oh no, you don't need this. <laughs> no, and I go backwards. I am, I'm definitely, I am definitely someone that finds the 600, 500, a challenge, a true, true challenge. But once you get there, you are at the essence of what you needed to say, right? You've stripped out all the stuff that was just extraneous and that you don't need. And you're also leaning into the power of your illustrator to take, you know, to take the reins and, and bring what they're going to bring to the story. And so in each of the books that I've had, I've been very fortunate and very blessed to have people who, who took it and just transformed it into something so beautiful as, as this kind of combination. So I've been very lucky in that way. And in that, I mean, thinking about a day for remembering, I mean, that was illustrated by the late Floyd Cooper, who yeah. he, um, he won the Coretta, Coretta Scott King Award, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that same year, he did um, a book of his heart, you know, Tulsa, um, um, earlier in the year. And so it just, you know, when you have someone 
who gets your words and just takes them to a whole nother place. It's, it's magic, you know? Well, and that speaks to, you know, here's this topic that you're bringing, you know, where people are laughing, that's not a picture book. How are you going to make, I mean, and, and he, just the two, the words and the pictures together, the whole product is just absolutely out of this world. Thank you. Well, and I have to tell you too, that I've noticed, you know, being at the library and we see the books come in, it's been great over the last several years too, that the number of African-American stories that are being told geared toward children, right? In the past, and I think I, I had read somewhere where you said, you know, when you were younger, you didn't really have those kind of books to see, but now it's like, there's just so much more being offered and it's great to see, you know, that everybody's being included and there's more for them to to delve into. Absolutely, because I, I think it is so vitally important for kids to see, you know, their possibilities out in the world. And I think it is it, it is extremely important for other kids to know that they're their possibilities too, right? So, you know, growing up where kids and I grew up in a predominantly white town in Massachusetts, and, you know, there were times where people would be like, well, no, I'm not quite sure you could do that. Right. And it's not because they weren't thinking of me, like what I had shown already that I was capable of and some of my teachers as well. It was that they had never actually been exposed to seeing someone that looked like me doing it. And so they just kind of had this block in it, which then translates to me as well, questioning whether I can do or be. And I think so it's wonderful to see so many varied um, topics in different, from different cultural perspectives, different, you know, all, all different kinds of perspectives. And I think it's wonderful for all of us to be able to have this treasure trove um, of experiences and possibilities to dive into for ourselves and for others. So kind of the potential that is there, but also Absolutely. that that history that has been forgotten or eliminated or Absolutely. for whatever reason, not, not okay. shared, you know, forward. Uh, we've been talking with Leah Henderson, who is uh, an author uh, for middle grade picture books. Her book, The Courage of the Little Hummingbird, will be coming out on April 11th. We encourage all of our listeners to check that out, as well as her other titles. It has been absolutely lovely talking with you. It has been a pleasure to be with you both. Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up this episode of Behind the Books. Thanks so much to Leah Henderson for taking the time to talk to us about her writing and everything that she's done. And Anna, the thing that I came away most impressed with from talking to Leah Henderson was just how she takes she takes these complex topics and she finds a way to put them into picture books for kids. And it's really something, you know, obviously that's been needed. And she's not the only one out there doing it, but she's doing a great job with what she does. And it was just great to get her insight into how everything came and her whole process of how she puts those together. Well, not even just for kids, but I think for adults and a way for them to open up conversations with kids. Um, I'm just thinking of her book, A Day for Remembering. And yes, it's a picture book geared towards younger readers, but there is so much information in there that I found helpful as an adult. Um, and she, like you said, she is taking complex topics and making them easily accessible and opening up uh, discussions, which I think is very important. And as we talked to her, we also, you know, we mentioned, and we've mentioned this with other picture book authors in the past, it's not easy to get your 
message out there in a picture book that's only five, six hundred words. And she had us cracking up when she talked about how her books start off at about 10,000 words and then get down to five or six hundred. But uh, she does a great job and we're looking forward to what she has to offer coming down the road. And in our conversation with Kim Luke, she, like everybody else that we've talked to at that Heightstown branch, I always come away impressed because as as we've mentioned, it's, it's the smallest branch, but they have such a great group of people working over there. It really is a, you know, everybody pitches in and does everything. And you got that same impression from her. You know, she she does whatever needs to be done over there. Absolutely. I mean, just talking, it's always kind of fun talking with staff from the smaller branches because they are involved in so many different facets of the daily workflow. Um, there's not a lot of silos that are happening. And I feel very fortunate um, that I get to work with Kim Luke on a regular basis. Uh, she's always has great ideas, just very down to earth um, and always just brings great contributions to those discussions. So I was very happy that she agreed to uh, interview with us. So once again, Anna, two good interviews. Every week we come, we go into the staff interview in particular, you know, anxious to learn a little bit more about our coworkers. And we hope that the people out there listening are also enjoying get, getting to know a little bit about the people that are working at our library system. Of course, we do want to thank Leah Henderson, as well as Kim Luke, for taking time to talk with us today. And Bob, I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasik. Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.